Can we get Genesis 29, verses 31 to 35, please? Let's stand, and we're going to read these scriptures. Then after we read it, you guys get to sit down. Amen? When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, she was what? And we know that when they say to hate your father and mother, what it really means is to love less than God. This word hate means love less. She wasn't loved as much as her sister Rachel. And when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, and some versions will say hated, he enabled her to conceive. Some versions will say opened her womb. But Rachel remained childless. Next verse. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Next verse. She's conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. She named him Simeon. Next verse. Again she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So his name was Levi. Next verse. She conceived again. Sounds like somebody we know. <laughs> Amen. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Amen. Have your seats, please. You know, I want to talk to us today about, what's her name, church? About victory. We are X this, X that, X this, X that, correct? So I want to talk about overcoming. Then I want to talk to the believers today that know that Christian life does not come without trials and tribulations, mountains or valleys or giants. I want to talk to giant slayers today. Any giant slayers in the house today? Any giant slayers in the house today? Well, I'm glad that you're here. I'm not really, the giants is not the topic or subject of today's talk, but uh, that's still going to be what I'm talking about, in other words, in essence. And what I'm going to be talking about, it's a subject that only has one word. One word. The whole subject consists of one word. But without this word, you're not going to be able to take down no giants. Without this word, you're not going to ever have victory, true victory. Without this word, you're not going to be an overcomer. Without this word, you're not going to survive in the valley. Without this word, you're not going to be able to go over any mountains. Not really. You might lie to yourself. You might think that you got victory. You might think that you are walking in the spirit. You see, we can fake ourselves out. As a matter of fact, James, I didn't tell you if you can get Revelations 3.17. When you got it, let me know. You see, we can jive ourselves into thinking we're something that we're not. We can even think we're saved when 
we're not. You see, right here in Revelations 3.17, what does he say? He's talking about money. But that's not what I want to talk about. It says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Thank you, James. Put it back. What he's talking about is you could be thinking that you're all that in a bag of chips. What he's talking about is you're thinking that you're a genie in a bottle. What he's talking about is you're looking in the mirror. You're not even seeing the true reflection. What he's talking about is everybody else knows what time it is, but your watch is broken. Hello. And a lot of us can be walking around thinking that we have joy. The real joy that can only come with God. But perhaps you're realizing on a, you're, 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 you're depending on the wrong source. This one word that I'm talking about here is called commitment. Commitment. It's a hard subject. This is a subject you don't want to hear around here. Lately, that's the only word I've been hearing. I've been hearing commitment. I've been hearing loyalty. I've been hearing dedication. I've been hearing the words not quitting. I've been hearing these words because perhaps today, man, we don't see in the caliber or in the thread of today's generation what was in the past generations. Today's generation don't have what the old timers had. Those guys would work from sun up to sundown to support a family without tripping on it. They would lose a finger, lose a, a leg, but yet they would get up and go to work in the fields or do whatever to support their families. Today we get a hangnail and we want a week off. They call this a post-modernity error. You see, the modern era was when we had Leave it a Beaver and Fathers Knows Best and all those kind of shows. Remember? My three sons, Ronnie. Huh? My best friend. Right? Where everything had a place and every, everything had a purpose. And today there's no absolutes. You see? Back then, everybody had a spot, and that was kind of wrong. The women revolted against that they should only be in the kitchen. So they started burning things. Come back, we're in church. Come back. But maybe it's because us men were burning bridges, because we were just expecting them to be in the kitchens and we weren't respecting them with the respect that we should have been giving them. If you read the Bible, they were supposed to be our partner, huh? Not our slave, huh? So there's a lot of reasons why we're not in this modern era. I understand why we had to move on and, and progress. Anything that doesn't progress is not good. But what we forgot to do is bring some of these principles over here. Can I get an amen? The word commitment is not seen too much today. We can come in here and we can shout, we can clap our hands, we can run around, we could sing real loud, you could spin on your head or break dance until you need a massage. You can't bring a giant down with dance moves. You can't overcome your mountains or valleys with a song. It takes commitment. That man there he gave 1993 was when he gave his life to the Lord. He made a commitment. And he's still there today. You can't last without a commitment. You will not make it without a commitment. Can I get an amen? 
You see, this is a hard word. Say commitment. Are you committed? Are you committed, church? Because everything, every relationship, anything that you do, the success of it will, is, depends on commitment. What I'm doing right now, church, is I'm blowing the clarion. That's a horn. To call every believer here today in this place. What I want us to do today is examine your level of commitment. Shine a light in your heart today and really honestly see your level of commitment because you can't conquer nothing that you're not committed to. Who here has clean refrigerators? Come on, I'll be in your houses. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. You know, every now and then, even though you buy good stuff, you have to go in there and you have to clean it out. If you don't clean it out, what happens? You open it up and it stinks. You can have the best of cheese, the best of milk, whatever. But if you don't clean it out, it stinks. The same thing with our hearts, man. The same thing with our lives. It requires an honest, regular examination. You can have stuff in you that you don't know needs to be thrown out. And if you don't throw it out, your life's you said it, not me. I was scared you guys were going to hate me after this. But since you're saying that I ain't. You see, you can't wish your giant away. You can't close your eyes and click your heels and think it's going to disappear. You can't shout it away. You can't dance it away. You have to be committed. I want to talk to areas in your life that we need to be committed to. And I'm going to try to make this relative to this text. And you'll see it before I'm done. Amen? Let's pray. Well, first off, before I pray. Sister Chella, I love you with all my heart. I love your kids. My God. They're great. They're beautiful. They're smart. They hurt my feelings. <laughs> They're honest. They're real. They're dynamite. They got great futures. Do you love your pastors today? This pulpit here says Hayward is our pulpit. The world is our congregation. Heavy saying, right? My pastor's father coined that. My pastor's father coined that. The founder of this church coined that saying. And who here honors him, the founder of this church? Do you really honor him? Do you really honor him? So if you honor him, then you will say that our pastors are better than him. You guys want to fight me now, huh? But I came for fighting. I came ready to fight. You can't. I, I came to fight today. Huh? If you honor the pastor of today's father, you will say that he's better than the father. Because if a father done his job right, then the son should be better. Can I get an amen? If a father's raising his household right, the children should rise up. They should be better than the father. If you're at home teaching your kids integrity, honesty about Jesus Christ, if you're instilling in them how to live for God, they should be better. So don't get mad at me when I say honoring our founder means our pastors are better. If you don't think so, you're dishonoring our founder. 
I'm not going to say sorry. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Father, close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for where you brought us from. Some of us very far and some of us not so far, but you've brought us all from somewhere. We thank you for this church and where you brought us from, all the mountains and valleys that we've gone through. We thank you for all those that went before us and paved the way to get us here and to take us where we've been and who we've reached. We thank you for all the givers, God, those that have bled and sweated, those that have cried, God, we thank you for them. And God, right now I ask you, Lord, to just move in this church, God, and open up every heart, Father, every mind that we may examine ourselves clearly and honestly, Father, so that maybe we can be everything that you've called us to be. Bless this word, Lord. Let it go forth and land on soil that is ready. In your son Jesus' name, everybody says? Okay. And of course, you know, I have a... I've been here, I don't know, 14, 15 years. Uh, God took the needles out of my arms. I was uh, a heroin addict uh, that probably did more than anybody else in my neighborhood or the neighborhoods around. Uh, I wasn't content just doing what you did. I wanted to do yours too. I wanted to do mine. I wanted to do yours. And I was, in, I was so sick of doing these drugs. I had a lot of dope. It wasn't because I didn't have no dope, you guys. I had dope. But I got tired of poking myself. I got tired of bleeding everywhere. I got tired of seeing my flesh all over the floors. I got tired of seeing what it was doing to my family. I got sick and tired, but I did not think I could ever change. I did not think I can ever get out of that lifestyle. And I'm not a coward, so suicide was not an option. I ended up in prison. And while I'm in prison, I accepted the fact that I'm going to die in there. I didn't really care if I died in prison. I wasn't scared of the gang activity or nothing that went on in prison. I was a dead man walking anyhow. But in that prison cell, something told me you don't give up. Something told me, and I remembered years back in Victory Outreach, hearing the voice of God. And so I asked him, just like he did, God, if you can change me, if you can take these needles out of my arms, if you can make a deadbeat dad a father, if you can make a low-down son a son, if you can make a sidewinding, no-good snake an honest man, I will commit my life to you till I take my last breath. Well, God took me off a of dope. I think all my kids are here. Most of them, Sabrina and, 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 and Philip aren't. Amen? I'm a father. My dad and my mother are here. I'm a son. But God had a lot more in store for me. You see what I mean? This is what happens, my friends, 
when you make commitment. If you look at me, I'm no better than you. I'm just a man that made a commitment. Amen? You see, here in this story, there's a lady. Her name is Leah. She was given to Jacob sort of as a consolation prize. He wanted Rachel, but he got Leah. And Jacob, through a system of labor, he entered into seven years of work for her father. Why? Because he wanted Rachel. He seen Rachel, and he wanted her bad. He wanted Rachel so bad that he was willing to work seven years for her. Seven years he was willing to work for this girl. You guys hearing me? Seven years this man was willing to work for a girl. Some of us don't want to work seven days for our wife. Woo, look at this guy's commitment, man. Seven years he worked for her. Seven years. And even after that, he still didn't get her. You see? Now, in them days, or just like today, you know how families are. Amen? You know how families are. Rachel was, Rachel was, well, Leah was a sister, okay? When he seen Rachel, he wanted her, okay? Rachel wasn't um, attractive, right? Okay, you guys are quiet. Let me talk, let me talk VO talk. Can I talk VO talk? Rachel was fine, eh? Rachel was drop-dead gorgeous, and Leah was the Faya one. <laughs> the Bible says that she was tender-eyed. Her name means gazelle. Tender-eyed means you don't know if she's looking at you or the wall over there. Okay? It says, but Rachel was pretty. It says, but Rachel was pretty. That means that Leah was not. Hello. A conniving father, huh? Huh? Amen? Because don't be laughing at Leah, though, poor Leah. Because God has a way of giving everybody something. And sometimes we get distracted and we don't see things right away. Right? You look at Leah and you don't think she's blessed. You look at Rachel, you think she's blessed. Huh? But you know what? Maybe Rachel was wrapped in nice wrapping, had a nice bow, glitter, and everything else. Maybe Leah came in a plain old cardboard box. But sometimes when things are obvious, when people, you look at them and you know that they obviously are blessed, the outside looks good. But sometimes the content ain't. You see, Leah had content. Can I get an Amen. We're going to look here. You might not be able to tell initially what's inside the container. You see, she was gifted. You see there, the Bible says that when God knew that she was loved less or hated, he opened her womb. He blessed her. It says that Rachel remained what? Without child, barren. You see, which one's the blessed one? Hallelujah. You know, Right here, I, I, I would just really love to stay right here and preach all day on this. Okay? I, I've been fighting this for all week. 
because if people really understood what this means, you see, and I love how God blesses people that are hated or love less. I love how God goes after the underdog and blesses them. You see, because if people really understood this, there would be less hatred in the world. Because they would understand that by me hating you gets you blessed. <laughs> huh? The more you hate me, the more I get blessed. So go on and hate me, man, please. Hate me a lot. All right? That's what got her blessed. She had four sons. And if we understand who her sons were, amen? You see, but uh, I won't preach there today, okay? More importantly... Is about this woman here who had low self-esteem, married to a man who did not want her. Amen? He spent a night with her, and when he woke up in the morning, he saw that she was not her sister. The Bible says in the morning he saw that it was not Leah. She's married to somebody who don't love her. He don't even see her. If you read earlier before verse 31, you'll see that. It says that the Bible that... That she was hated, so God opened up her womb, and he blessed her because of this hatred. And she begins to have children, and she has four sons. The first one is named Reuben. The second name is Simeon. The third name is Levi. And the fourth is named Judah. Each name is given that shows on the surface they represent her struggle to be accepted. You see, Leah wanted to be accepted. Can you imagine her life in the shadows of Rachel? Everybody probably wanting to take Rachel on a cruise in their little whatever they rode in chariot. And Leah had a walk everywhere. Huh? You see? And so she's here trying to be accepted. And each child kind of represents her struggle to be accepted. Her first son is Reuben. And she's saying that maybe when Jacob will see that I'm giving him a son, he'll love me. You see, it represents, Reuben means to see. Amen? The second name is Simeon, and that means to hear. And she says, I'm giving him a man-child, and maybe when he hears that I gave him a man-child, he'll care about me. Then the third Ain't it funny how some people won't let us have the uh, imperative of oxygen of love sometimes? All she's doing is looking for love, man. And she's married to this cat. She's already given him two children, and he still ain't accepting her. So she's going on and on trying to win his acceptance. Ain't that cold-blooded? Hello? Sometimes people need love, and we just won't give them nothing. That was, that's what was happening here. So she keeps trying desperately to do something special that maybe he'll hear about and feel better towards her. So the third son now, she names Levi. Levi means to be joined to. The verse is not up there. Levi means to be joined to. It means connected. It means committed. It means loyal. And she says, maybe now he'll be joined to me, and I'll call him Levi. Amen? Kind of see where we're going with this? It took her four children. And the fourth child she finally calls Judah. 
She says, now, now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. I finally arrived in my walk. I finally arrived in my life where I'm not going to be tripping on my fears no more. I'm not going to be tripping on my insecurities no more. I'm not going to be going out of my way to try to satisfy this person, that person, or anybody else because that just gets in the way of my praise. So now finally I can praise the Lord. Hello. You can learn a lot from the women in the Bible, huh, Pastor Paul? Ah. Here we learn. You see, I want to go back through these four children. They're the outline of today's message, these four. Not only does Leah's children signify her as a woman or a mother or Jacob as a father, but they have a prophetic significance. It sets a tone on the ages of, on how God would deal with Israel and the different dispensations and other things of the age. But what I want to hit on is another pattern. There's a third pattern that I want to deal with today. And I think this is very important for us to grasp it, memorize it, and utilize it in our walk with God. When you're struggling, when you're fighting, Remember these steps and then exercise them, and you can take down giants. Without it, you won't. It's important that you understand this. Amen? To every believer, this look. The first child. The first child. The first child's name is Reuben, and that means to see, to see her misery. Hello. You see, the first step of any Christian the first step of any believer is first we have to see something. We have to see that our life is really wretched. We have to really see that our life is miserable. You see, we can be living a life thinking we're all cool. We can be living a life because we got a career. We got a house, man. We got a wife. We got a dog. We got a white picket fence. We got money in the bank. We got clothes. We got security. We got, uh, 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 what's that called when you work and you work long enough? Because I never have one of those. Retirement. <laughs> I live by faith. I don't recommend that. Go to school, get a retirement, you guys. Take care of your business. It'll take care of you later. Huh? But some people are set up like this, and that's where their faith is. And that's what gives them the sense that everything is okay. But until you see, man, that your life without Jesus Christ, that your life without the Holy Spirit, that when you're not answering the call of, of God on your life, that your life is wretched, that your life is miserable, miserable. We got to come to terms and be honest with ourselves, man. Did God give you a new life or not? Are you committed to him or not? Are you living for him or not? Something has to be thrown out of that refrigerator. But some of us like to open the refrigerator and think it's all good, man. We see the stuff in the refrigerator and we think that we got it down, that everything in that refrigerator is top notch, is cool. But I'm telling you, my friend, if God isn't the center of that refrigerator, if the Holy Spirit isn't the light of the refrigerator, your life is miserable and wretched and until you see 
that your life is miserable, huh? You're not going to be able to go on to the next step. You can't be a Christian, my friend, because it's hip and it's a new thing. We know that like uh, 300 AD and Constantinople, everybody started becoming Christians because it was hip and cool. And what they did was they brought all kinds of worldly stuff into the church. They weren't really there to serve God. They were just trying to do it because it's cool. You can't serve God because it's cool. You can't be a Christian because somebody makes you husband, wife, child. You got to make a decision yourself. You can't be a Christian because your wife wants you, your girlfriend wants you, because your boss says, come to church with me, or because you heard that there's pretty girls here and you want to get one, or you think that there's business owners here and you want to get a job. That is not going to save you. You're wasting your time until you see the very thing that you're relying on in your life is the source of your misery. Can I get amen? You see... We'll never be able to change and make a transformation in our life. It's necessary to become who God wants us to be until one day you spin around and you take a look at your life and you recognize that it ain't fun anymore. Huh? I love dope, man. Huh, Ronnie? <laughs> I'm sorry. I loved it. I love the smell of it. I love the whole process of cooking it up. Huh? I mean, I knew I was going to die a dope fiend. And, and that was okay with me. You see how I was living in a lie? But one day, my friend, I got tired. One day. Oh, Rabashaka. Yeah. One day, my friend, I got tired and I recognized that the very source that I lived for was bringing misery into my life. I was wretched. And until you see the very thing in your life as wretched and miserable, my friend. Well, Pastor Greg, I'm not no heroin addict. You were. You were, you were bad, huh? Yeah, well, you know what? I knew I had to clean my refrigerator. But you're self-righteous. <clears throat> All right. You see, you might say, well, you know, Pastor Greg, God, I don't put needles in my arms. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink and I don't cuss. And I don't even hang around with nobody that does. Huh? But you hate people. You're jealous of people. You see, until you look at your bigotry, the hatred you have for other people, the racism in your heart, until you look at the way you hate people and you can't even remember why you were mad at them for the first place, until you get sick of your jealous, spiteful, conniving ways, you cannot change it until you get miserable of that hatred, until you get miserable of those kind of thinking, until you get miserable and say, I want the love of God to flow through me. I want to know how to love somebody. I want to know how to forgive somebody. This hatred has possession of me. Pastor Greg, just like that heroin had possession of 
you, man. Just like anything had possession of an alcoholic, so does hatred, so does jealousy. You might not have the sins of the flesh, but you got issues of your heart. And until you see these very things as misery, you cannot get victory. Hello. You know, I, I was hoping Sister Chella told me to change my message. This message ain't a cool one today. Commitment, nobody wants to hear that. Back in the old days, you, that's all you heard. But you can't change nothing, my friend, that you still worship. Huh? You still like going to the nightclubs? Huh? Still like having a little drinky poop? You still like when a girl goes like this to you? You ain't going to change a thing as long as you worship it. Pastor Greg, Pastor Darrell, Pastor uh, 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 Stevan, Elias, Manuel, Toby. I'm having these issues. I'm having these problems, man. Pray for me. And, 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 and man, I've been trying for two years. And everybody keeps telling you, well, stop doing that. Huh? You're still having a love affair of that sin you got, man. And until you see that as misery, you're not going to have commitment over here. Your marriage is struggling because you're still somewhere you shouldn't be. Because you're still, your eyes are going where they shouldn't be. And yet you're crying that your marriage is suffering. You're asking God to bless something that you ain't even ready to commit yourself fully to. It came to fight it. Uh, I believe God wants us to know about how to see things for what they really are and stop lying to herself. Second child is Simeon. I ate today, so... Those of you that were going to buy me lunch and now you don't want it, that's all right. <clears throat> Simeon, it says that you have to hear. We have to hear the word of God, my friends. You see, once you realize that your life without God is miserable, once you realize that your, your life without answering the call of God that, that is wretched, now you have to start hearing the word of God. A lot of people come to church and yet still have never heard the word of God. They're kind of here, but they're brain dead. They probably left their intelligence in the car. And perhaps they'll pick it up on the way out and maybe not. They kind of sit here and they wait for us to tickle them. Or wait for a song to excite them, for a message to get them uplifted, something like that. But they don't hear the word of God. They don't allow what they're hearing to sink down into their heart and soul and marrow. And that's why those people don't have faith. Because faith cometh and hearing. Come on, man. I know you guys knew the word. You see, faith doesn't come by anything else. 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do you get faith? You don't get it through mental telepathy. You don't get it by having the right girlfriend or boyfriend. You don't get it because you got a cool car. You don't get it because you dress sharp. You don't get it because you got a tight wrap or your hairdo suave. You don't get it because you wear the best aftershave in the world, my friend. You don't get it because when you come up here, you got a bad dance and stuff like that. You don't get it because you could sing good. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, nothing else will give you faith. Now, why does faith have to come by hearing and by and hearing by the word of God? Go ahead, ask me. Why does faith have to come by hearing and hearing the word of God by hearing, hearing by the word of God? Because when God tells you something, huh? When you got a giant in your life, my friend, when you're in the valley, when there's a mountain in front of you, when your marriage is struggling, when something in front of you is so hard that you know you can't handle it yourself, and God gives you a promise, and you hear that promise, and you believe that promise, all of a sudden, baby, all of a sudden, you hear it, you believe it, you know it's the word of God, and you start going and doing what that word tells you to do. You start aligning your life parallel with what God has told you. That's why. And then all of a sudden, he does what he says he's going to do. You get what you needed. Now the next time, you're a little more courageous. From glory to glory. From victory to victory. Faith starts increasing. That's why faith has to come by hearing the word of God. You have. Woo. Shakata. Do you hear what I'm saying? Giants won't fall because you're dancing. They're not going to be falling because you look good up here and sing in the choir. You guys look sharp, though, man. Huh? I believe in you. They're going to fall because God has given you a promise. I gave my wife a promise. I'm sorry. I like to say that's how it's done, man, but I'm learning. <laughs> you know, I'm ready to learn. <laughs> I don't even know how to hold your hand. Amen. But I'll learn. It feels good learning. Oh, Shaka. They're going to fall because God gave you a promise that even though you ain't got a sword, my friend, even though you ain't got a shield, you might not have a gun or a college degree, my friend. You might be older in life or you might think that you're too young or you might be tangled-eyed and ugly. 
God has given you a promise, and that promise says, look, man, I know where you're at. If you commit to me, if you hear my word, if you follow my commands, I'm going to bless you. You got to hear his word. It ain't going to come by no song. It ain't going to come by no dance. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you do that, my friend, all you need is a rag. All you need is a rock. And you can take down a giant. Huh? That's all you need. David slew the giant with a slingshot and a stone. Why? Because he believed in the word of God. Any giant slayers here today? Any giant slayers here today? Tell your neighbor, I got a promise. You see, when you got a promise, it'll change your life. I guarantee you. Can I teach you something today? Can I teach you something today? The Bible says that it's the engrafted word of God that will save your soul. The engrafted word of God that will save your soul. Engrafted. You see, that's the word that will stick on your soul. That's the only word that you can use as a weapon. Is the word of God. The armor has only one piece of weapon, and that's the word of God. The enemy, though, doesn't care about any word that you hear that flies over your head. Huh? If it doesn't stick in your soul, he ain't tripping. Hello? You see, that's why right now he's trying to distract you. While we're trying to preach to you, you're getting distracted. You see, he don't have nothing to do. He wants you to be thinking of, of, of other things that have nothing to do than the message that's trying to be preached to you right now. He'll have you thinking about, where are we going to go eat after the service? Huh? Did you see that girl wearing them shoes? Oh, heck, no, they didn't go with that dress. Huh? Huh? Why is she with him? She should be with me. Oh, quit lying, man. Quit lying. Stop being jealous, man. But you're not hearing the word of God. You're not letting it be uh, inserted into your heart where it will change your life. You're not letting it become anything that the devil's going to get worried about. You see, the devil says, wait a minute, man. That guy, that lady's ears are open. The word's starting to penetrate their heart, man. They're going to start aligning their life with a word, man. That person's going to become dangerous to me. I better start taking them out, man. I'm worried about that individual because he's not sitting in church tripping about tomorrow's job or work or what I should be wearing tomorrow or what's going to happen after church. That person is focused and listening to the word of God. He's hungry. He got an appetite for the word of God. That's what makes the devil worried. He don't care if you're in here daydreaming. Hello. Huh. My God. The engrafted word of God. Tell somebody it's a grafted word of God. What time did I start? 2.30? I tip water over and I go long. Shaka. Can I go a little more? You see, you got to think of it like a skin graft. 
A skin graft is when they take a piece here and you put it here. And you got to hold it there. You got to put it there until a natural grafting starts taking place. You see? So that what wasn't there before now is there, that it didn't exist before. It becomes that. You see? In other words, man, that's how the miracle of God's word works. You see, when it's over there and it wasn't in your heart before, now it comes and it gets in your heart and it starts taking growth and it starts developing something. You see, when we preach the word or when you're studying the word or when you read the word of God, it will get a love that you didn't have and it'll start putting it in your heart. It'll get an understanding that you didn't have and it'll start putting it in your heart. It'll get a patience you didn't have and it'll start putting it in your heart. It'll get forgiveness that you didn't have and it'll start putting it in your heart. It starts grafting. It starts growing. It starts developing. It starts bearing fruit, my friend. That's what happens when the engrafted word starts taking place. But I got news for you. It don't happen overnight. Huh? When you allow the engrafted word to take place, man, you can come from a family that nobody was nice. Everybody lied for nothing. And then all of a sudden, nothing but niceness comes out of you. Nothing but honesty comes out of you. Even though that maybe you come from uh, your, your father, your grandfather, his grandfather, your great, 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 great grandparents ain't nothing but sidewinding snakes. Huh? Dope dealing bank robbers, perhaps. Not my family. And all of a sudden, you're an honest, employed individual with integrity. You're paying tithes. Uh, you're paying taxes. Uh, you got keys to your job. Uh, you can be trusted because the engrafted word has taken life in your life. And it starts spreading around to your job, to your neighborhood, to your children, to your family. That, yeah, give a clap. Give a clap. Because you grafted these things into your life. You started bringing what was outside inside. You never had the word of God inside. It's outside. But what you got to do is you got to get the word outside. And you got to bring it inside. It has to take life, my friend. It has to become you. The engrafted word of God will save your soul. Your habits, your behavior, and your appetite. <clears throat> so if you don't see... It in your character right now. I want you to know that if you get the word and you start learning it and you start hearing it, don't just get it here. You know why a lot of people have, um, they can quote all the Bible. We've had a lot of them in the home. They come in and some of them are even pastors and they want to uh, uh, interrupt you and tell you what the Bible really means and they could break it down in about 40 different languages. Yet their life stinks. You know why? Ask me why. Thank you. That's a good question. They got, they got a foot problem, man. They got a foot problem. You know that foot from the heart and the mind? You see? It don't go from there to the heart. They don't let it go in and take root. You see? And that's where that has to do. So learn it, but let it take root, man. Hear it. Let it lead your life. Amen? 
That's how you're going to graft it into your character if things weren't there before. Oh, God, hallelujah, Father, change our lives, man. Now, it will take time. You can't just take skin off and put it here today and think it's okay. It takes time. It has to connect. It has to become one. It has to fuse together. So you can't just come to church, man, and hear a little word and then run out and do the same old, same old. You have to come in and you have to hear the word, man. Then you have to go out there and you have to hold it in place. You have to hold it close to your heart. You have to let it take shape. You have to let it take form. You have to let it start becoming you, man. You have to let that be what you hear during the day. You have to let it start nurturing you. You have to let it start directing you. You have to start letting that be your source of energy and direction. And then all of a sudden, it becomes who you are. They say a habit is broken in 20 days. A habit is created in 20 days. Character, my friend, ain't nothing more than a long-running habit. You start doing this. You start letting it change what you do, your behavior. And after a while, you start getting a habit of being honest. You start getting a, a habit of being generous. You start creating a habit of thinking about others. Now, that habit, you keep it up. And after a long term, it becomes who you are. The word of God will change your character. But it don't happen overnight. Don't just hear and split and let it be gone. Cuddle it. Hold it close. And let it take life. Amen? Well, that was her second son, which was Simeon, which means to hear. Let me see if I can do this without spilling it. Now they give me glass. Oh, they got faith. I mean, I'll shatter a plastic bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That was her second son. What's the name of their third son? Does anybody know what Levi means? You remember? It means connected. <clears throat> Excuse me. It means committed. And this is kind of where I want to part today on commitment. If I may, let's check it out. It means it means uh, joined. It means connected. It means to be focused. It means to be committed. This is why we don't see a lot of people here today anymore. In this postmodern era. You guys understand postmodern? No? In the 60s or so, the era then was called modern era. Okay? Everything was modern. Everybody had a spot. Everybody knew what you should do. The men went to... And the woman stayed. When the man came home, what was ready? And what came and welcomed the man? His children and dog. Everything had a spot. And that was modern. Everything, the, the pictures on the walls. You almost can go to any house and you know at a certain time there's going to be dinner served. You know that the lady was going to be in an apron? You know at 5 o'clock the man was going to come home. That was modern. Well, there was a revolution and everything had to be tore down. Now we're after that era. We're in the postmodern error. Do you understand? And then this error, this generation, there's no absolutes. In the 60s, if you smoked weed, you better hide. It was wrong. Homosexuality was everybody knew it. Now today, it's whatever floats your boat. Whatever you think is right is all right. Whatever you think is wrong is wrong. That's the error we're in. And I believe that that error had faults. 
And when things have faults, it needs to be torn down and rebuilt just like us. If we're not built right, God will put us back on the and then rebuild us. But there are some elements that forgot to be brought over to this error. And one of them was commitment. Amen? The values of the past, they don't appear to have transferred over to this error. People don't get married anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a ceremony. We throw rice at them. They drive in a car and they got a certificate that says they're married. The first time a little wind comes, the first time a little storm comes, the first time that somebody gets weak, they want to get a, huh? Okay, that's not commitment. You see, everybody trying to tell you, man, you're like, no, pastor, you don't understand, man. This girl is crazy. I mean, I know before I got married what to expect. I'm not dumb. But she goes way past all expectations. Is it okay to give her medication? I'm open to new things. Maybe we could live in different zip codes. Huh? Pastor, you don't understand this guy. I'm totally committed. But he, oh my God. Huh? All he wants, Pastor. Uh huh. But does he help me with the bills? Does he help me with the children? Sound like God's coming back. <laughs> Hope I'm ready. I'm trying, God. You gave me a hard message, dude. I would rather talk about the love of God than the commitment to God. But we need this. We need this. You see, they live together, man. But they ain't really married. They get the tax break. They get the certificate on the wall, but they ain't really married. They're not joined together. They haven't connected. They're not committed. I'm committed to make my marriage work. I'm going to make it work. Or I'm going to die trying. Huh? He ain't going to see me in no courthouse, man. Huh? I'm telling you. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have giants in your marriage, in anything that you have a relationship to, anything that requires a commitment, you see? And they're going to be out there. You have to have root. They don't have root, those that want to quit. They don't have connectivity. They're not joined together. They're not committed, man. They do not have it in their character to withstand anything. You want to know why? Perhaps they skipped step one. Perhaps they skipped step two. Perhaps they're not hearing the word of God that encourages them and tells them that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, man. Where God starts giving them a little more understanding. Where God starts giving them a little more forgiveness. Where God starts giving them a little love that has no limits. You see, you want to quit because you've hit your limit. But you're not hearing the word of God that tells you with me. There's no limit, my friend. You can do all things with me. When you say, I have no more love to give, God says, yes, you got my love to give. Perhaps 
You're not being committed because you're skipping a step and you ain't even hearing yet. Hello. They forsake the responsibility and they walk away from the commitment that they made in front of God and everybody else. You don't know how crazy she is. I knew how crazy she was. I tried to tell you, dude. Are you sure? <laughs> Do you understand what you're going to be headed into before you get married? I love her. I didn't know he was this way. Man, come on, everybody trying to tell you. Huh? And if nobody did, when you took your vows, didn't the preacher tell you <laughs> through better or worse? <laughs> Sickness or health? Didn't he have you say these vows? Because even the preacher's trying to tell you, think about it, man. It's going to go this way, and it's going to go that way. You were warned. You were prepared. And now you want to say, I didn't know it was going to be like that. If everybody, now let's check out church, commitment to church, right? We seldom see church members any more either. This church here has been here for a long time, Church of the Cross. Uh, my auntie's here, and her husband, uh, my uncle Augie, worked on this building a long time ago. This building is a landmark here in Hayward. They wanted to tear the cross down, but the airport fought against it because they used that as, as a, a direction. They used the cross for direction. And so they kept it here. But you see, they got long uh, uh, church members here. They don't have too many, but they know how to give. Their church members, man, have been members for decades. Huh? Some church members today, they call commitment. I was committed to that church. I was there almost, my God, 20, uh, no, 19 days. Back in the day, if somebody joined the church, that was the church they died from, or they got sent somewhere else, and that's where they died from. If everybody who joined this church and got the I love my church cup with a heart on it was to come on one Sunday, those pews up there would be full and so would the foyer. It would kill us. We won't be able to handle it. We'd have to pump TVs into the classrooms. If just the people that joined the church in the last three years, Heart of the Bay, where are they? They came. They cried. They declared a commitment to God. To this church, to the pastors. Oh, Jella, I got your back. I'm from the streets, Por Vida. Where are they at? Where are they at? We don't see them again. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you the truth. Where are they? We go through the actions of commitment, man. We come, we lie down, and we cry. We say with all our heart that I'm committed. But the first thing, man, we cut and we take off and we run. We're not really connected. We're not really committed. And we're not really joined, man. Why? Because we don't have any understanding of our responsibility of any relationship. When you have a relationship, tell your neighbor, relationship requires commitment. A relationship without commitment is not a relationship. It's doomed to fail. A relationship without commitment is dead. Amen? Can you put the word up, Brother James? I'm going to need you guys to read this because I'm a sixth grade dropout. I'm just lying. They kicked me out. Reciprocity. 
Say reciprocity. That's the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. That's the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. Amen. You got to have reciprocity in your relationships. You come here to get. You come here because you need. But you have to give also. You see, when it, it, the, it, are you ready? Right? You know, but there's another song, remember? Dun, 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 dun. I found love on a two-way street. E right? You guys remember that song? Oh, man, come on, man, come on, man. Grab your old lady and sing it with me. And lost it on a lonely highway. Oh. At I'm up here. Huh? You can't have a relationship without reciprocity. You can't have a true relationship without true reciprocity. You can't get into a relationship to get and not be willing to give. Can I get an amen? Ask yourself, my friend, do I give as good as I get? Am I willing to give as well as how much I want? Am I just a one-way street, man? Or am I a two-way street, baby? Everything got to be a two-way street. You don't get in a relationship just to be a taker, but you got to be a giver. If you're hearing the word of God and you know that your life is wretched, God will make you a giver, but you're still here only wanting to get. That's okay when you first come. But there has to be a time where that word starts engrafting into your heart. And you say, you know what, man? God has changed my life. This church has given me a, a way to see things. They teach me. They stay up hours counseling me. What can I give back? That's where love is. Reciprocity. Add up what you're getting. Weigh it up against what you're giving. And then you'll know if your relationship, if you're, if you're really joined to anything, if your refrigerator needs to be cleaned out. Tell your neighbor reciprocity. Did you learn a new word? So did I. More than three syllables. Reciprocity. Oh, my God. Cut on my feet. Did God give you a new life, folks? Did God give you a new life? Did he take you off of dope? Huh? Did he get you out of the nightclubs? Huh? Did he, did he get you out of gangs? Or did he save your father? Kids? Youngsters? Did he save your mother? Huh? Did he save your brother? Your nephew? Your niece? Your godchild? Did God give you anything? What are you giving him back? He gave you a life. He gave you, he took you out of prison. He gave you your freedom. He took you out of the grass and the clinches of the gangs out there. You're alive today because of him. What are you giving him back? Huh? One day a week? You're not a thug no more. You're not a taker no more. 
God has restored your family. God's restored your mind. God gave you a new heart, or he wants to give you one. What are you giving back? Just part? Just a little bit? Measure up what you're giving next to what you're getting. And then you could see if you're really connected. <laughs> Commitment to God, my friend, requires reciprocity. Say it. Reciprocity. <laughs> I just want to say two-way street, amen? <laughs> requires a two-way street relationship. You know, you go to work, you don't want a job. You're not really committed to that job. They go to work, why? Paycheck. All they want is money. They're not really there to do their best, to see what the manager really wants, to see what the supervisor really wants, man. Go make it happen. Take it to another level. That's what commitment is. This one, the check. I want money, too. Everybody wants money. But I'm not going to surrender my committed life to get a dollar bill. Huh? I'm not going to sell myself short. Commitment to me is a value that needs to be brought into this era today. We need to teach this generation about commitment. Don't sell out for commitment, guys, boys, girls. Don't sell out to your commitment or integrity or honesty for a dollar bill, for a car because you want to dress sharp. You want to be like all your friends. Don't sell out. It's a value. You got to see it, recognize it as a value. Don't be seeing anything else that's not. If you do, you got to go back to step one and see Reuben again. You don't understand the reciprocity. Everybody wants money. But if you're willing to give, if you're willing to give at least as good as you get, if you're not willing to give at least as good as you get whatever relationship you're in, if it's with your wife or family, if it's here with your church, if it's with God, it ain't going to last. If it ain't a two-way street, if you're there just to get, it will not last, my friend. It won't stay. You will not stay. It won't work because it won't work because you don't got Levi. You're not joined. You're not connected. You're not committed because when you're joined and connected, my friend, all of a sudden you want to do something for that person. All of a sudden you want to give to that person. You want to be committed. You might have anniversaries. You might have birthdays, my friend. You might even have a lot of other things on the wall, but you don't have commitment to that person. You might have been married for a length of time, but your marriage is dead. You might say, Pastor Greg, I'm not divorced. I've been married 20 years. Yeah, but you sleep in different rooms. Huh? I seen you guys hold hands. Man, I could have put my drink there. It would have gotten frozen. Huh? That's why, man, when we get buried, we're going to have a sad funeral. Because we've never fully engaged into nothing. We never threw ourselves all the way into anything. You've never been 100% into nothing. You want to get something, but you don't ever want to give. You've never been joined. You've never been connected. You've never been committed. You throw your whole self, my friend, at nothing. We need to see things. You got to have a vision. You got to have a dream, and you got to go 100% after it. You go to church, but are you really a member here? Do 
Do you have reciprocity to your church? Are you joined? Have you ever bought into this church? Do you feel like this is your church? Or do you say, I come here, man, because I like the preaching. I come here, man, because the worship, they harmonize beautiful. I come here, man, because they got soft chairs. That's why I come here. What are you giving back? You see, I'm not trying to get you to start working here or giving money. That's not my gig. Although you should. But what I'm trying to do is get you to Judah. What I'm trying to get you to, man, is pass to where you worship God with all your heart and all your mind. True worship. True worship that just springs out from a spring that has no bottom. Just keeps flowing. The source comes without an end and it keeps going out without any reserve. That's the, where I'm trying to get you to. I'm not trying to get you to work. Don't be sitting there letting the devil lie to you and say, oh, man, see, I know another church is just trying to get me to give and all that. No. I'm trying to get you to a place where God created you. God created you, why? To worship him. He created you to worship him. Now do you understand the steps of the children? Huh? From Reuben to Simeon to Levi to Judah. You see? But what's happening, because you've never thrown yourself 100% into nothing, your life is no more than crumbs. You're satisfied with what you got. You think that you're all right like in Revelations 3.17. You think that you're cool. You think that you're hip. You think that everything, that's what's giving you the peace. But all you're getting, my friends, is crumbs from the table when you should be eating the children of God's issue. All you're getting is puppy dog issue, man. When you should be getting, sitting at the table of God and being loved like if you're one of his children. All you're doing is grabbing crumbs and you think you're cool because you got this and because you got that. If you're getting crumbs, my friend, it ain't because of nothing you're doing. It's because you just put yourself in the right place at the right time. You just put yourself right there as the crowns fell. But you ain't doing nothing. Because if you were doing something, you'd get a bigger issue. You might be getting 30%. You might be getting 60%. But my friend, everybody here was created to have 100%. 100%. Don't sell yourself short. Puppy dog blessings. You ain't got reciprocity. That's what we're going to get. We're all getting older. Time's passing you by. How you going to go out? How you going to go out? Huh? Don't be a taker from God. Don't be just asking God. Ask God what I can do for you. And then do it. Amen. Some of you have never been committed because we're casual. I got a couple more minutes. No. Casual people are the most talented people I've ever known. Why? Because they hide behind their talent. They throw their talent out there and you look at it and you think it's all cool. If you don't have a discerning eye, you might think that they're committed. But it ain't nothing more than a maraud. It ain't nothing more than a cloak. The realness is, is that they're really not committed. Their hearts are wicked. Ah, casualty is not what God's asking for. Because you're not committed, you're just talented. Don't rest on your talent, man. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never been totally committed, throw yourself at something, my friends. Amen? You see, it costs a lot. It costs a lot. Commitment. Sometimes we want to, uh, somebody today, who was it, um, was talking about bargaining with God. And what God wants from us is not a bargain. What God wants from us is a price to be paid. Huh? He wants 100%. And then we want to bargain with him. Now, you can bargain with the Saturn dealer. You can bargain maybe with a Hyundai dealer. You can bargain with Toyota. But go ahead and walk into Rolls Royce and try to bargain. Huh? Go into Rolls Royce and tell them, look, I don't want to pay the full price. Can you knock off 20%? And see what they say. Anything with true value, man, you shouldn't be shopping there if you ain't willing to pay the price. Huh? They ain't going to bargain with you. They're going to tell you, why don't you get stepping and go to Toyota? This is Rolls Royce. If you want a life, man, that is valuable, priceless, the life with God, you can't bargain with him. You got to be all in. It's 100%. You see, sometimes we want to bargain. Well, I gave them a Sunday, but I won't give them Thursday. I gave them Sunday, but don't ask me to go to a life group on Sunday night. I come to church at 1 or 1.30 after everything's set up, but don't ask me to come and help set up. Don't ask me to help in the children's church. I give enough, but are you giving 100%? This life is worth more. It ain't no Toyota life. This is the life of God. It's Christianity. It's priceless. It's valuable. Don't try to bargain. Now, one more thing, boys and girls. Youngsters. Those of you old-timers that are not married yet. A life with God makes you here. It's amicable. It's distinguishable. It's like a Rolls Royce compared to a Chevrolet. A life with God and a life without God, there's a line that separates. You're distinguishable. You're priceless. You're the best thing that ever happened. Don't sell yourself short. Don't allow, if you're a man, a woman, to take you down to the basement bargain. And if you're a woman, don't let a man take you downstairs to the basement bargain because you're lonely. They ain't willing to pay the price. They don't get the goods. Do you hear me? I'd rather be alone if I'm going to be lonely. Somebody that don't know reciprocity, somebody that don't know commitment is not going to be a good companion. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody stand. Commitment. Commitment. All of us fall short on this subject, don't we? If you're married and your marriage is suffering or perhaps it's not as good as it needs to be, maybe you need to see things that need to be changed. That might be the reason why that perfection's not flowing. Maybe you know what needs to be done, but you're not, you can't hear the word of God you're like Pastor Greg or Darrell or Sister Chella. Can you help me hear? Learn how to hear the word of God. I read my Bible and 
I hear you guys talking about hearing the word of God, but I have a hard time hearing the word of God. Or maybe commitment scares you. Maybe you've had bad experiences with commitment. Maybe those that were in your life that perhaps you should have been able to look to and trust has hurt you. Maybe leadership in your life that you've went ahead and naively trusted them had abused you. And so now you're having a hard time committing because it takes trust. But God's your heavenly father. He's not an earthly being. He has a love that will never leave you or forsake you. He's a guy, man, that when you give your life to him and you totally trust him, you will not be let down. I guarantee you it. Give your life to God. And maybe you really want real praise. You want to learn how to really praise God. You know, you go through your day and you say, I go to church and I read my word and I pray. Yet I think I'm still miserable. I still feel lonely. I want to have that breakthrough where I can praise God. That praise that will give you victory. That's what Judah is. That's that praise right before victory. They always went out before the war. That's what breaks everything open. And you say, Pastor Greg and the pastoral team, I need help. I want you to come to these altars right now and let us pray for you. If you're going to school and you're worried about your exams, but you're having a hard time studying, you haven't committed yourself to reading, you haven't committed yourself to doing homework, and you need help and commitment, come to these altars. If you want help in your marriage, Come to these arms. If God has saved your life, if God has taken you off of drugs, if God has pulled you out of prison, 